0: And Father, we do ask that you just bless this time in the study of your word. We thank you that we can be here. And, and Lord, uh, encourage us, instruct us through your word right now. Um, I know that we come in tired and maybe a little sleepy on Wednesday nights, sluggish. But Lord, refresh us and renew us through your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So as we enter into chapter 58, we see that Isaiah is continuing to expose the sin of Judah as they're involved in idol worship and and that idol worship, as we discussed last time, oftentimes involved idol worship in the wooden groves and in high places, which involved all kinds of of wickedness and immorality. So here we're going to see that uh, Isaiah continuing uh, speaking the words of the Lord, indicting the people, the Lord is desiring for them to come back uh, to him, to he saying to them that those idols uh, will not help you they are false I am God. There is none other. I'm the one who is the creator. I'm the one who knows the end from the beginning. I have redeemed you. You belong to me. So the Lord in his brokenheartedness and in his love is calling his people back uh, to him. And and they're refusing to come at this time. But let's continue as we read in verse 1 of chapter 58 of Isaiah. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression. And the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They asked of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. So Isaiah, as he's called by God to expose their sin, but they continued in that sin in idol worship and, and false worship. And there was, though, keep in mind that there was an apparent of uh, religiousness of uh, towards God uh, we're going to see that they're going to talk about uh, the sacrifices the uh, we've seen that happen and and they even would keep the Sabbath as Isaiah has said and and they would offer grain offerings and other sacrifices to the Lord and and the feasts they would celebrate but it was mixed in with a lot of paganism and and it wasn't done in truth and they were getting further uh, further away from that truth um, as they were falling more into that which was false and we see the same thing today in, in what we will consider the, the, the church as a whole that there are churches that, that have a form of religiousness. Uh, maybe the minister wears a robe, they have a cross, they, they speak from the scriptures, but they don't really believe that the scripture is infallible, the inspiration and inerrancy of scripture. They they dismiss a lot of it. They they have brought in that which is worldly and sinful and calling it good, calling evil good. And we see that today, and it breaks our heart. And, and I think that we all know that, not only in some of the denominations that at one time even a generation ago they stood for truth they stood for the scriptures they believed in the inherency of scripture and yet you see them get so far away and what happens is as they begin that movement towards that which is false they get further and further away from the lord so we see the same thing there's religiousness you know there there is prayer there's prayer to god there's you know all these. These ordinances that perhaps they do, but it's not done in truth. And the same thing was happening 2,700 years ago under Isaiah. And, and here we see that they were fasting, and, and the people were, were saying, hey, we seek you daily, God. We fasted, and, and God doesn't notice. There was religious activity, and they thought that they would be pleasing to God, but inwardly there was something very wrong, and that's, of course, that they were doing it uh, towards those idols and mixed in, as we're going to see the description of the condition, really, of the nation as we continue here in this chapter and as we go into chapter 59 as well. So in verse 3, why have we fasted, they said, and you have not seen, again, we fasted, we, we We've done this religious activity, but it seems like, Lord, um, that you don't see us. You don't care that we're doing it. Uh, we have, uh, why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and a strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. It is a fast that I have chosen a day. For a man to afflict his soul, it is to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So they didn't understand why God didn't approve of their fasting, and they would fast, but then they would, as we see here at the second part of verse 3 into verse 4, that they were seeking pleasure. They fasted. But here they were sinning. And and you exploit your laborers. And that word exploit means you're forcing them into hard labor. Um, You were forcing your servants, driving them hard to work so you wouldn't lose any money. And they didn't have a right heart. They were seeking, not the Lord. And, of course, that's what fasting is all about, is to deny the physical, to focus on the spiritual. That's a simple definition of fasting. And what they were doing is they were going through the religious activity, but they were continuing on in worldly pleasures, in, in, you know, forcing their servants. They were doing wickedly, uh, you know, towards them and making them work hard ripping them off we're going to see that they were full of violence all these things that were taking place so they were doing it with the wrong heart and as we look at this you know god wasn't pleased with just the outward image he's more concerned with the right attitude of heart you know fasting is to be done in a way to please the lord and you might recall that it was 700 years after this that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. Remember in, in Matthew's gospel that he said, When you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, don't be like the Pharisees, the Pharisees that that um, will come with the all, you know, gaunt looking and uh, with the appearance that they're fasting so they can be seen of men. And, and Jesus said, don't do that. Don't be like the hypocrite that's trying to be noticed. And, and the Pharisee would fast twice a week, we know. And the Pharisee would go and he'd stand in the marketplace and the people would come by and say, Oh, look at that Pharisee in his robe and his face, all gaunt and pale looking. And he's doing this for God. He's such a spiritual man. You know, look at that righteousness of the Pharisee and the Lord says they're doing it not with the right attitude." And he called them hypocrites. He says, when you fast, that you are to wash your face, anoint your face, and don't give that appearance before men uh, to be seen of men that you're fasting. Because your father sees you and he will reward you. And the Pharisee as well. He, he talked about their prayers. They would stand on the street corner and they would give these loud prayers and the people would say, look at the Pharisee and how he prays. When they would give, they actually would have people go before them and blow the trumpet as they drop their money into the treasury chest and people would say look at the pharisees they're tithing and they even tithe the seeds of their garden is what the gospel narratives indicate to us so they were doing all these things before men this appearance of religiousness but remember that jesus rebuked those religious leaders when he said woe to you for you're like whitewashed tombs outwardly you're all polished but you're full of dead men's bones And there is to be the right attitude and motive why we would go, you know, to the Lord in fasting. Our prayer is going to be the next chapter, chapter 59, that we're going to see that he's going to talk about. Fasting and prayer go together. But when you do these things, you don't do it to be seen of men. You do it because you want to seek the Lord. You're drawing close to the Lord. That's what fasting is to be, to focus on him. And the Lord sees that. And he, as we have talked about, it's not the outward image. It's the attitude of the heart. It's the inward reality of, Lord, I am putting this time aside. I'm going to fast, you know, uh, for this amount of time or these certain foods. I think today that when it comes to fasting and as a church... We usually, once a year, we'll dedicate a week to prayer and fasting where, you know, we fast, we encourage you to fast and pray, you know, for the church, and and we give ourselves the the priority of that for a week. Not that we can have others say, oh, look at Calvary Chapel, they're so, you know, wonderful and so religious. We want to seek the Lord. So, how you fast is between you and the Lord, maybe a day, maybe a meal. Uh, And I encourage you oftentimes that you fast from certain things maybe it might be social media again it's denying the physical and the worldliness and focusing on the Lord maybe it's just getting off of Facebook for a week or you know Instagram or or you know all the things that can distract us away from the Lord that's the world in which we live in so that we can focus on the Lord and give time to him so here he, he's calling them out of their sinful attitudes and in, in trying to be religious. The Lord's saying, I'm not interested in your religion. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to have a heart for me. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? It was to be done in a way they're fasting to please God. Get, get right with your brothers and sisters, he is saying. Stop oppressing others. Quit seeking pleasure. And as we read this, oftentimes verse 6 is used by those who, you know, will say, well, doesn't Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 tell us that, that uh, fasting, that it helps us when we're burdened with sin or struggling with sin? I think that it can. Here in the context, he's calling them to do away with that sin. That really seek me. You know, make sure that your heart is right. And he's going to talk about serving others and reaching out to others. And, and you are to, as we read in verse 7, it is not to share. Is, uh, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, you, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. And then your light shall break forth like the morning. And your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard, and then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. He's saying, Look to me, be right with me, treat others well, you know, serve your brethren. Share and show love to others is what you're to be doing. That's what a right heart is all about. And as we fast, we wanna make sure that we are being sensitive to the leading of the Lord. But I do believe that fasting does help us when we have heavy burdens. It does help us when we feel oppressed, when we're struggling uh, perhaps with a sin or, or just an attitude because we're seeking the Lord. We're desiring to say, Lord, will you minister to me and help me in these areas and i think that that fasting is a good thing for us as christians to do that's between you and the lord it doesn't make us to where the lord loves us more or you know we fast so we can you know you know try to get more from the lord it's really seeking him and saying lord deal with my heart in these areas lord i want to draw close to you and one of the reasons why i believe that just taking a time of Fasting. That is, maybe it's just fasting for a, a meal instead of eating lunch. You're seeking the Lord. Uh, maybe it's just for a day, a part of a day. I, I know it's different for everyone. And some of us have health, you know, uh, challenges and, and, and things that, that we need to be careful Um, When it comes to fasting and things like that, but however the Lord leads you and as I said, I think it's good for us to maybe fast from certain things like social media and some other things just to focus on the Lord because You know this world really can get to us, right? And I really encourage young people to do that. Just take the time to just seek the Lord put the phones down, put the computers down, put away the social media. Because our young people are so stressed out. We're all stressed out. Because of those things, it's the reality of life today. And I know one of the things that we want to do is we want to use that, social media and all that, as a tool to reach others but I also know that, that so many are, are feeling very burdened, even as it says here, it's not the fast I have chosen to lose the bounds of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens. It's because we're constantly looking down rather than looking up. And to have those times and to talk to your kids about this, that there's a, you know, a, a healthy you know, and good thing to consider in just putting that phone away because I know that it's hard, isn't it? I mean, a challenge that that I gave to myself, I'm gonna put my phone down, you know, at home for a half a day. You know how hard that was for me? That was, you know, because I wanna, you know, do this and look at it and all this. But Lord, I wanna put it aside and I just really wanna spend some time just with you and not the noise. And I think that's a good thing to talk to your kids about. Our kids are getting wiped out, folks. You know that. And they are under extreme stress and, and going through difficult times and confusion. And a lot of it is because of what they see and everything that they, they pull up, and you know, it stresses them out. And you know, why aren't I involved in what my friends are doing here in this group and, and the apps and all of this. And we need to help them through it. We need to talk to them. And my heart breaks for them, for all of us, really. Because there's so much noise that is out there. That's why I'm so thankful that we can come here on a night like tonight and really focus on the Lord, a wonderful time of worship and be in the Word. But talk to your kids about those things. Maybe a fast just to get away from that stuff. I know I need to get away from it. You know, we just got through with an election. (laughs) Boy, yeah, I know, right? And it's, and it's an important thing in our nation. And yes, I have opinions and I feel the, the same kinds of things that you do, but there are times where we need to get away. You think it's bad this midterm? Wait till two years how bad it's going to get. So fasting, just, just taking that time to just get away from the noise, you know, the, the, the feeding, the, the physical, whatever it may be, and just uh, be one that we seek the Lord. But our hearts need to be right. And, and here he continues talking that um, if, you know, verse 10, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul reaching out to others, serving others is what we, you know, are to be doing. Um, That's what the Lord desires for us to do. Uh, And as uh, verse 10 goes on to say, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden. You know, we sang tonight about, you know, dry bones being refreshed. And that's what the Lord wants to do as we go to him and spend time with him. And listen, folks, I hope and pray that every single one of you at least are are having a devotion time every day, that you begin your day with the Lord. Read your Bible every single day. Spend time with the Lord. And I know we're busy, and some of you guys get up very early. You work hard. And moms, you get up and getting the kids ready, or you go to work. Uh, We all are busy. We all have things that we have to do, but it's imperative for you, for me, To begin our day with the Lord. To get up and and to read the Bible. And to spend time in prayer. And however the Lord would have you to do that. Because there's, you know, some people think, what do I need to do? Read 10 chapters of Leviticus? You know, things like that. Just read some Psalms. You know, read a Proverbs. Just read and allow the Lord to speak to you. Spend some time in prayer. Be praying for your kids. Be praying for the day. You know, and you will find that you will be refreshed because oftentimes that we feel so dry and barren because we're not seeking the Lord and we're not going to him. And we're not spending time with him that he desires for us to and be sensitive to hearing from him. And like the spring of water whose waters do not fail, verse 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And so serve others, you know, reach out to others. You know, the Lord wants to use you. So here's something for you to consider and pray through even as we enter into the holiday season because it's going to get busy, right? We have baking we need to do. Uh, we got shopping we need to do. There's you know, all kinds of things that um, decorating, whatever it may be, planning, traveling, all these things. And I find myself every year I say, I'm not going to get busy. And what happens? I get busy, right? But one of the things that that I know that that I've wanted to always just kind of focus for us and for me and my family is that during this time to reach out to others, to serve others. Because we can feel, you know, just, it depends, you know, we can feel busy and and overwhelmed, but we can also feel down and discouraged during this time as well. And I want to encourage you that in the, the holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas, whatever season it might be, that if you feel, just dry and barren and, and you feel you know, discouraged and, and those things that all of us can feel, that you go to the Lord and then one of the ways to really help your soul and refresh your soul is serve others. Reach out to others. You'll be so blessed by doing that. Well, I don't have time, Pastor Jeff. You do have time if you make the time. If you say, I want to just reach out to somebody, maybe at work, maybe somebody here, making a meal for them, maybe just encouraging somebody, serving in some way, you know, blessing the kids or whatever it may be that the Lord puts on your heart. And you will see that as you serve others, you're going to be renewed and refreshed in so many different ways. And, and I tell you, it's such a joy to be able to do that. We live in a culture, in a society where it's, we're so self-focused sometimes and it's about me rather than what we are to be about as Christians is about others, reaching out to others. There's so many people that need help. It was Elijah that was in the cave. Remember, he ran. Jezebel said, Elijah, after he called down fire from heaven there on Mount Carmel and, and, you know, slew the prophets of Baal, he had great victory. And Jezebel comes along and says, Elijah, I'm going to lop your head off. He gets all discouraged, defeated, you know, depressed. He runs down to the mountain of God. He's in the cave. He says, I'm the only one left, Lord. And the Lord says, Elijah, why are you in this cave? Why are you in this cave of depression? I got things for you to do. I got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. I need you to go to anoint Elisha. I got things for you to do, and he's got things for you to do as well. And I know that we're all in different places and different situations, but wherever he has placed you, and whatever that you have opportunity to do in serving others, it might be a family member, it might be a neighbor, it may be somebody at work, It might be going and getting a shoebox and going and filling it up and bringing it here next week. For some child to be blessed, you will be refreshed and renewed in the Lord to reach out to others, to show the love of Jesus Christ. And it will be a blessing to you as you bless others. And as we continue in verse 13, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day. And call this Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So he talks about keeping the Sabbath. Of course, the Sabbath was was um, uh, from the Ten Commandments. It was a, a covenant that the Lord made with the people of Israel that you are to rest on the seventh day. Six days you shall work. On the seventh day you shall rest. Keep the Sabbath holy. There shall be no uh, work done on the Sabbath. Of course, in Jesus' day, it, instead of it becoming a day of being refreshed and renewed in the Lord, that the Pharisees came along and it became a heavy burden for the people. And they came up with all these silly interpretations of what it means to keep the Sabbath and they even had written that in their interpretations that if you spat on the ground that was illegal. You couldn't do that on the Sabbath because it could mix with the with the dirt and, you know, the saliva and then it could be considered making, you know, mortar. So that's the kind of things that they came up with. Um, And it became a burden to the people. And the Pharisees would excommunicate you if, you know, they felt you were breaking the Sabbath in any way. And the Pharisees, we know that was the main confrontation with Jesus that really began to get them to consider, we need to put this man to death because he's breaking the Sabbath. So it was the tradition that they really wanted to keep and tried to keep perfectly. Now, today as Christians, we aren't called to keep the Sabbath day. There are people that will call me, email me, want to argue with me that, why don't we keep the Sabbath? Why don't you worship on Saturday? And my answer is, if you want to worship on Saturday, go ahead and worship on Saturday. But in the New Testament, we see very clearly that we're not under the Sabbath law. That it was Paul that said to the Colossian believers that let no one judge you according to feasts and festivals and new moons and Sabbaths, which are a substance of the reality Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus, he's our Sabbath rest. Jesus fulfilled the law. And he is our Sabbath rest. And so he says, don't let anybody judge you according to Sabbaths and and festivals and foods and all of that. We also know that Paul, we're going to see in the book of Romans, he says, one man esteems one day above another. One man esteems every day alike. You be convinced in your own mind. So if you want to keep the Sabbath on Saturday, keep the Sabbath. But don't go around saying that we have to do it. And if you don't keep the Sabbath, you're not saved like some groups do in all of this. I esteem every day alike. Every day for me is a day to be refreshed and renewed in the Lord. But when we look at the Sabbath, it's not a bad principle to take a day and just slow down. Whatever that day may be, Sunday, Saturday. Some of you have to work weekends, right? I have to work weekends. (laughs) Sundays are long for me. And so I've been doing that for 26 years. So I have a day off during the week, and I try to. And sometimes my day off has been Fridays. Sometimes I'll have a wedding I have to do. Sometimes a conference that I teach or something like that. But I always try to take that time to be refreshed and renewed in the Lord. And I think it's important for us... To do that, to take a day where we slow down because we live again in a culture where we're busy all the time in activities and, and all of this that is has taken place and to be just refreshed and renewed in the Lord. So we're not under the Sabbath law. We worship on Sunday. We worship on Wednesdays. We have people come on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, Saturdays. <coughs> this place is open all the time with Bible studies and prayer groups and things going on. And that was the early church in Acts chapter 2 that they went from house to house daily, every day. And they were praising the Lord and they were encouraging one another and, and continuing in those things that Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says. And Paul talks about the early church, how they, they, we see evidence that they met on the first day of the week. So we're not under the Sabbath law, but it is something for you to pray about. That on our Sunday, if we come to church or whatever day that you have off, to just take that time and be refreshed and renewed in the Lord. To, to again, um, just focus on the Lord. Take that extra time to to look to Him, and He says there's blessing and there's benefit because of that. And then chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongues have muttered perversity. Here we see as we enter in chapter 58 dealing with fasting, chapter 59 is going to deal with prayer. And as I said, fasting and prayer kind of go together, kind of like peanut butter and jelly, pepper and salt, McDonald's french fries and ketchup. You know, they just, they just go together. And so prayer here, we see that the Lord is saying that that. You know, my hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear, we're being told, is heavy that he cannot hear, but it's your iniquities that have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. So, as we consider this, it's not that God doesn't hear audibly, but their sins were a problem that we read about there in verse three, that they were violent. You know, your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongues have uh, muttered perversity. Your sin has separated you from the Lord. And it isn't that the Lord can't hear you, but he's not going to bless your sin. He's not going to bless your sin. He's not going to hear your, you know, request. Lord, bless us while we go out and sin. We're immoral and violent, and and speaking lies and and speaking perversity and all of this. You know, when I was in college. A long time ago, um, there was a book out, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Maybe some of you that are a little bit older remember that. It was a bestseller. There was a Jewish rabbi that wrote it. And his premise was kind of like that God is not really sovereign. And um, when things are out of control, um, it's really he he can't really do a whole lot about it. That's why bad things happen. Well, this verse, verse 1 dismisses that. His hand is not shortened. The problem is not God's lack of power or he doesn't know our situation. But when we are in sin, the fellowship with God suffers and he's not gonna bless sin. And and perhaps that you've had to where you had a conversation with somebody. I know I've had people that I've talked to and they say, oh, I don't understand why the Lord isn't blessing this relationship. And as you talk to them, they're in a relationship that is sinful. Oh, you know, I'm gonna leave my wife and I'm gonna, you know, pursue this relationship. Well, we know that that's not the will of God. Or they're involved in sin. Well, you know, I gotta lie about these things, and why isn't God blessing it? He's not gonna bless sin. Now, that's obvious examples. But we also know that David, that he would write in Psalm 66, verse 18: "If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear." It's not that the Lord has selective hearing, but. It's kind of like you're talking to somebody and when you say they're telling you their situation or concern or whatever and they're going, you're going, yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. You're saying I agree with that. I, I, I feel sympathy for you. And, and the Lord, if we're saying, Lord, I, I want to be blessed by compromise, sin, carnality that I'm involved in, he's not going to hear that. He's not going to be a part of that. So we need to... Always say, Lord, like David did, the Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Lord, is there anything going on in my life? Is there sin? Is there iniquity? Is there carnality? That which is not pleasing to you? And I'm asking you to bless it because the Lord wants us to turn to him and do what is right And repent from our sins. And he wants to restore that closeness, that fellowship. We have relationships still, but the fellowship is broken. We know how that is. And so here the Lord is saying that I'm not going to bless that. I'm not going to bless iniquity. I'm not going to bless your sin. Here you guys are out sinning and you're wondering why. You're wondering why that I don't bless you. Because I'm not going to. You know, another thing that, by the way, while I'm on the subject, guys, 1 Peter chapter 3, another time that the Lord says that our prayers are hindered is husbands, you're to live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. And that's very important for you and I to remember that husbands, when it comes to your wives, as you are to love your wife as Christ loves the church, Ephesians chapter 5, that means you serve her. And you cherish her. And you love her unconditionally. You love her as Christ loves the church. You'd be willing to lay down your life for her. And then Peter comes along and says, you're to live with her in an understanding way. What does that mean? It means that things that are important to her need to be important to you. That you need to listen to her. And guys, none of us do that perfectly. But here Peter is... Inspired by the Spirit of God to write so that your prayers may not be hindered So I know that when I just sense Lord I just feel like that you're not You're not speaking to me right now about this and could it be that maybe I have a wrong attitude of heart could it be that? I Have a wrong attitude towards sue or towards the kids or whatever it may be always just Lord show me Lord Teach me that I make it right with you and in line with you, Lord. That's the wonderful thing about being a Christian, that he chastens us, disciplines us, because he does love us. So these things can hinder us when we're going the wrong direction, involved in things that we shouldn't. Let's continue in verse um, verse four. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web, and he who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper uh, breaks out. So they were living in sin, practicing sin. They uh, they lied. There they, there was no right justice. They spoke empty words. Um, they were, you know, uh, wanting to do more evil. Kind of sounds like our world today, doesn't it? Their actions were even deadly towards others, as we read in verse 5. And then in verse 6, their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the acts of violence in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting, um, and destruction are in their past. Verse 8, the way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways, and they had made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. And so here they, you can see the condition of the nation that it was pretty bad. They were running to iniquity. They were shedding innocent blood. Their thoughts were continually of doing wrong and um, there was no peace. And of course we know that as uh, we read in chapter 57 that the the way of peace they have not known and no peace we have already seen is for the wicked. If we are in, in sin and carnality and there's compromise, we will not have peace. You just won't have peace. You're going to be in turmoil. And you're going to be, you know, burdened. And it's going to be difficult. And the Lord desires for you and me to have not only peace with God as we come to Jesus Christ in faith, but the peace of God that rules in our hearts. And it comes by, Lord, I want to do what's right. And I want to live for you. Be sensitive to be led by you in every way. And then as we continue in verse 9, Therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as the twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it's far from us. In verse twelve, for our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know that and transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart uh, words of falsehood, just is turned back. Verse 14. And righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street. Inequity cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey strong language that is used here as we continue. When we walk contrary to God's way, you know, it's not good. There's darkness, there's stumbling. Uh, When we realize that our sin testifies against us, when we come to that place of no longer blaming God for a shortened hand and a heavy ear, it is their sin, as we read here, that righteousness is afar off. Because they would not turn back to the Lord. And as we read this, it talks about a bad condition that's here. And then in the second part of chapter or verse 15, then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. The Lord saw it, it displeased him. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head and put on the garments of vengeance for the clothing and was clad with zeal as his cloak according to their deeds according he will repay fury to his adversaries recompense to his enemies the coastlands he will fully repay so they shall fear the name of the lord from the west and the glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him and the redeemer will come to zion and those who turn from transgression in jacob says the lord very quickly here in these verses the lord says there is no intercession i look for a man there is no intercessor it was so far gone. Ezekiel, he talks about after this time that when they were off in the captivity, that there was um, God looked that sought a man to stand in the gap. Is there anyone to stand in the gap and pray for the nation? But there is no intercessor. You and I, what I hope and pray for us, especially I think this is very relevant for us to consider the day after the election because, you know, some of you, you know, may not like what happened at all, the results, and, and we get concerned. I get concerned too in the direction of our nation and what we see going on. And we know that it's important for us to consider these things and in voting and all that. But here's the thing. We need to be praying for our nation because our ultimate hope is not in An elephant, and it's not in a donkey, it's in the Lamb. It's in the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And the Lord, I believe, is looking for those who are going to stand in the gap and be praying. We need to pray for our nation. Because as I said, you think it was bad this time around, wait till two years. And we know it's going to get very ugly. And I know the issues are important, and we love our nation. But the hope of our nation is that we turn back to Jesus Christ. So I pray for us as a church that we can continue to stand in the gap for our community and for you know, our state and for our nation and be in prayer and be seeking the Lord and be praying for our leaders. Peter writes about that. Paul writes about that. When Caesar Nero was ruling, he was pretty bad. Matter of fact, he gave the orders to have Paul be beheaded and Peter crucified upside down. And Lord, I'm to be praying for the people around me, for my community, and for my nation. And here, as we know that there was no intercessor, that these verses that we read, that the Lord says, I'll bring an intercessor, and that's going to be the Messiah. The Redeemer is going to come and redeem you and redeem all of mankind, Jesus Christ. And he came to redeem us. And that's where our hope is. It's in him. And may we keep our spiritual eyes, you know, on him. And as we... Consider the things around us. We need to look at it more from just the political view or the worldly view. We need to look through it through spiritual eyes and remember that we belong to a kingdom that lasts forever and a holy nation and the Lord's coming back and we have a message to share with others because our hope is in the Redeemer that has come and died on Calvary's cross for you and for me. You know, I've been reading real quickly and then we're going to go to Communion. Zephaniah Zephaniah is a little book in the Old Testament. Zephaniah was a prophet that was on the scene during the days of Josiah, right after the days of Isaiah here. Now if you remember from your Old Testament study that uh, Josiah was the last of the good guys, right? Right? He was the last of the good kings and he brought he brought reforms to the nation. But the revival wasn't really Inwardly towards a lot of people. They went through the motions. They cleaned up the temple. But there are some who were touched very deeply by it. One of them was a man by the name of Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Out of that came Ezekiel. So there were those who were touched by the reforms and revival and the word that was going on and the words that Zephaniah was given because you see, Sephaniah, he came and he said that, you know, the nation, you're going to go off into captivity. You're going, to, you're going to go off into difficult times. He uses that term, the day of the Lord, seven times in three chapters. It was only three chapters long. And he says that not only is it going to be concerning the Babylonian captivity, it's going to be dark, it's going to be destructive. You're going to go off into captivity. That God is going to do that. There's no reversing it. But then he would give a message of hope to individuals, turn to the Lord because he loves you. I don't know what's going to happen to this nation. I believe God wants to save this nation. But I don't know what's going to happen on this slide and the direction that we're going is very concerning. Are we in the days of Zephaniah? I don't know. I do know this because I'm just a simple Bible teacher. That the day of the Lord is going to come that the Bible speaks about. The Lord is going to come for us, the church, and then we're going to see that lawlessness and wickedness is going to spread throughout the whole world and it's going to be a time of very difficult tribulation called Jacob's trouble. that okay, We're going to be studying on Wednesday night in the book of, of Revelation. John was told, write these things down that will come to pass. Not that they might, they will. So I want to reach people with the message of the gospel like Zephaniah did. And Zephaniah, he's telling individuals and, and some of the young people and others, they would believe and they would be saved from it. But I love what Zephaniah chapter three, as he talks about God's faithfulness and God still loves you. And he says, the Lord, your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you realize that the Lord loves you so much that he sings about you? And his love remains. And we have a promise of heaven and forgiveness and a father who will never leave us or forsake us and his faithfulness with us. And we have a message to give to others because we're rushing towards eternity, folks. We're rushing to that time where the Lord is going to come back We are living in the days, I believe, of Sephaniah. He's only, as he's prophesying, 20 years from the time where the Babylonian armies would come in and it would be a very, very dark time for Israel because they refused to turn to the Lord. And we have a message of hope to give to others. And I pray that that would be our focus. That would be our message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Even as Paul came into Corinth, that very wicked city full of carnality, he said, I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, Father, we thank you. And, Lord, we thank you for these chapters that we went over. It's a lot to consider. And, but, Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus And the message that we can give to others and and being able to reach out to others in love and to seek you in prayer and fasting and being sensitive to you speaking to us because you do want to speak to us. And Lord, right now as we come to the communion table, that we know that the communion table is remembering what Jesus did for us. So as the communion elements are handed out, it is for the believer You don't have to belong to the church, but it is remembering what Jesus did for us and allowing his body to be broken and his blood shed. And I do pray just for a moment, if you're here and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that he is your hope and he is your salvation. And he's calling you right now to turn to him, to repent, confess you're a sinner because he loves you. And that's why he went to the cross and died for your sins. He died for you because of his love for you. That you might be forgiven and have the hope of heaven and have access and relationship with the Father. And whoever believes on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that right now. You can pray, Jesus, I come to you and I confess that I am a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. And I ask that you would forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again and you're alive. And I ask that you would sit upon the throne of my life as my personal Lord and Savior. And I want to know you and walk with you. And I thank you for this new beginning. And thank you for bringing me into the family of God in Jesus' name. And listen, if anybody by chance, you pray that prayer sincerely, I want you to come up when we conclude communion here and just... We have a prayer team. Just tell them the decision you made. But right now, Christians, as we hold the elements in our hands, just continue to worship, continue to to go to the Lord, Uh, just opening your heart to him, remembering what he did for you. In Jesus' name, amen.